Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Emma Azon-Giacometti and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. TICT is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tassie. If you're a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. And if you're a first-time listener and you do enjoy today's episode, remember there are now over 80 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them from the TICT website, which is www.tict.com.au. Now, I'm really excited to get stuck into today's conversation with Robbie Gilligan, the owner of Derwent Distillery. Welcome, Robbie. Hi, Emma. How are you doing? I'm so good. It's so good to chat with you. And I want to check, first of all, if I've actually got your title right. I've just introduced you as the owner of Derwent Distillery, but from what I can work out, you wear probably more than just that one hat. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, So I'm the owner, founder, brand ambassador um, and distiller as well. Yeah, you've got a bit going on. Tell us about Derwent Distillery. Who who are you? What's what's the brand all about? So we're a family business. Uh, So it's myself and my wife, Emma. Uh, We started it in 2016. Um, so we've both been involved in the, the whiskey industry for uh, a number of years before that. Uh, we were managing at um, a distillery in Plenty and in Kempton. And before that, I was also working in Lark and Overeem. So I um, always had that passion there. Um, I've been involved since I first moved to Tassie. And I was lucky enough to get involved with uh, Bill Lark when he still owned Lark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I learned from the best, really. And that passion was always there. And um, applying my experience and my own knowledge and learning from Bill and all those people who were around us at the time. Um, it just, you know, really motivated me to um, start up my own distillery. And fortunately, my wife shared that same passion. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're now living the dream and um, making my own whiskies and gins and other products. And um, what we've done is we've, we've bought ourselves a property in uh, Dromedary um, on the riverfront. Uh, we named our distillery after the second ever distillery in Australia. It was called Derwent Distillery. It was set up in 1823 and it was in Hobart. And the actual original building is still, is still there, just uh, in Gore Street. So, yeah, just resurrecting a historical distillery that was forced to shut down in 1838, along with all the other ones. And sure. um, it's great. It's great that we're, we're doing it on our own now. Yeah, fantastic. And you better tell us about that brilliant accent. And has that had any um, influence on, on the industry that you've gotten into? Do you know what, right? I think that's what got me the job with Bill in the first place. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, here's this guy. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Fantastic. I don't need to teach him much, you know. Um, but in actual fact, he did. Because so, I, I didn't have any knowledge of how to make whiskey before I came to Tassie. Uh, I drank a lot of it. Um, I love sharing the experiences with whiskey with other people. Um, and fortunately, my very first experience of tasting Tassie whiskey was actually at Bill's Distillery. And we had to offer it away. And I said, oh... You know, I need to work here, Bill, you know. And he says, well, I need you to work here as well. So, fantastic. And 
um, it just went from there. That was meant to be awesome. Um, I, I understand that you and Emma were working towards launching your brand, Derwent Distillery, right around the time that COVID hit its strides last year. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, yes, it was. We had it all set up that Emma was managing a, uh, managing at one of the big breweries here in Hobart. Um, we were going to launch um, our uh, brand at the, at the brewery. And uh, that was all set for, I think it was March. And leading up to it, we realised that, oh, here, wait a minute, COVID's a thing. Um, mm. There's a lot of people getting sick with it here all over the country, and it's worrying. And the last thing that we wanted to do was to put anyone in harm's way, mm. um, considering that there was going to be people coming from all over Australia just for this specific launch. Friends, family, new customers, people who were really wanting to get involved with it. Uh, we actually pulled the plug ourselves before anything was actually officially announced okay. of any shutdowns. So we had already seen this coming. Um, and then not long after we did that, that's when obviously they put it out for hospitality and tourism. that They were doing all these uh, shutdowns and then everyone started going into the lockdowns. So it wasn't a great time in sure, definitely not. No. And, and what did that mean for you guys on, on the cusp of launching a new brand? And I guess that was about to be your revenue stream and, and what you would spend your, your days doing. What did that mean for you guys? Yeah, look, I won't lie. Uh, we were a bit worried, um, considering that I'd just uh, I'd not long lost my previous job. Um, we were, as you say, we were relying on this as a as, as, a, as a big income stream um, and for our future. So we had to just get creative. Really, we thought, well, why not um, switch from you know a face to face kind of gathering of people? Why not reach out online? So what we did was we set up a like a tasting pack of the of the whiskies that we were planning on releasing at the event. So we broke it down into small tasting bottles. We got all sorts of branding done and labels, and we, we put it out there on our social media through the website that we were going to be doing it, and um, expressions of interest from anyone that wanted to kind of share and take part in it. And we were inundated. It was amazing. Awesome. We, d- we didn't even have enough whiskey for the for the amount of people that were um, looking to, to get involved. So that was a good thing. That was magic. Um, mm-hmm. And it was also, you know, it, it was something that, that, that took off that other people were using, not just in Tassie, but all over Australia and even from Scotland started doing it as well. Wow. Um, but it turns out that by doing that, we were the first distillery in the world to launch their brand online. So that's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Very mm. cool. And it sounds like you were surprised by the uptake on that, you know, not, not even having enough bottles for everyone who was interested. Looking back now, why were people so interested? Why did people get on board with that even more than you expected? If you look at how everyone was affected when all the lockdowns took place, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, what was going to happen? Were people going to lose their jobs, their businesses? And the fact that alcohol, the alcohol industry was deemed as a, an essential mm-hmm. service, as it was, you know, that really worked in our favour, um, that we were still able to con- uh, continue with our product line and our business. And the fact that more people were kind of going, right, OK, well, I've got more time to play with now, being stuck at home. Here's a novel concept, you know, great. I, I don't have to go to the pub and drink with friends or go to a mm. bar or whatever. I can actually do it in the comfort of my own home. Let's give it a go. I haven't tried these guys' whiskies. I know about them, but it's, it's only going to cost me whatever it was, $65 mm. or something like that. Um, and it was great. And, and look, I did it in my, my man cave uh, with a, a, an amazing man, Mark Nicholson, his name is. We all call him Mr. Nick because he was he taught my missus at school and that's what the kids knew him as. Yeah, great. But he was also Bill Lark's 2IC at okay. Lark's And yeah, we, we had 1,500 
views. That's amazing. And were you actually online live with, with people engaging with you at the time? Yes, and that's quite funny because Mr Nick is the least technological advanced <laughs> person in the world. Um, I'd never done it before and Emma, we were relying on Emma to uh, kind of steer us in the right direction and it turned out that we were, we'd, we'd, I'd done all my, you know, I'd, I'd checked out online how to set up a, you know, a Google, uh, a Google that you see, how, how to do a Zoom meeting, did all that and then we were broadcasting live for about four minutes before we realised that we weren't actually yeah. broadcasting live, we were just showing right. it to ourselves. So, uh, so yes, there was a five minute delay, and then we 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 we, um, we managed to figure it out. And then by that point, there was already a lot of people um, signed in. And when we checked the statistics at the end of the call, yeah, we saw fifteen hundred people um, tuned in for it. So it was just phenomenal, amazing, very cool. So, have you managed to have a physical launch of the brand since things have returned to a semi normal? Um, not really. Um, we are in the process of uh, building our new distillery, mm-hmm. so we will have something planned for that. It's taken a while. Obviously, you've got like the planning stage has taken a number of years. The actual build itself, but we want to make sure that it's you know fully compliant, that it's going to be safe, so that when people do, when we open our doors to the public, it's going to be compliant in every single way. So we're undertaking a, a risk assessment of the building just now just to make sure that we're crossing the T's and dotting the I's and getting everything right and put in place. Uh, and then what we're going to do is we're going to focus on um, a, a nice big launch then so we can invite locals alike and then people from uh, the mainland once it's safe to obviously um, yeah, get great. here. Yeah, so on that note, how dependent do you think brand and, and viability of a project like that is to the tourism industry being back on its feet and, and you being able to actually welcome an interstate market into the business? Oh, look, it's it's vitally important. We've suffered, you know, we've, we've been hit hard and suffered a lot mm-hmm. since um, these restrictions have been put in place. Um, but I think what I noticed, especially in Tasmania, um, and it the, the the timing of it was um, it was very uncertain times, but the way that everyone banded together mm. uh, in Tasmania, um, so you know customers didn't want to see their favourite um, place shut down or business um, going out of, uh, going out of business. So there was a, a huge rallying of of support mm. locally from people. So there's a huge local support, even at Farmgate Market as an example. I've got a stall there. And all those businesses who rely on those stalls, the, the 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 amount of Tasmanians that flocked to the market made sure that they were only buying local produce and it really saved them all. Mm. That was a huge thing for all of us. The borders opening up, yes, absolutely vitally important. But I think safety for me is is, is um is a big thing. Absolutely. Um, so it will happen when it happens. And uh, the, but the, the, we're fortunate that there has been uh, such a lot of local support there. Yeah, and I think you make a great point about that. And and I don't know if it's um, unique to Tasmania. It's certainly something that I think we're very proud as Tasmanians of, of is the way that as a community we have banded together and, and supported our local industry. Do you think it's something that will um, be sustained outside of you know, borders closed and, and knowing that there are businesses really doing it tough. Is this a new habit that we might see uh, continued on through the Tasmanian market? I hope so. Mm. One thing that um, I was thinking about uh, just there was the, the SCAL group, um, yes. which is like a, a international community of hospitality and tourism. Um, being a member of that and uh, meet, but before COVID, you know, meeting up and, and, and 
sharing each other's stories and, and, and drumming up business between each other. Mm. I think something like that is really important that we, we continue to have those networks set up because working together, I think it's it, now more than ever, it's really, really important that we all band together, not just customers or consumers banding together to support their favourite uh, businesses, but within the tourism and hospitality industries, mm. um, the f- we all need to be working together to support each other because it's we're only going to benefit each other by doing that. Um, so collaborations, and you know, if we if one business ha- can can supply another, then we should be you know working towards having that kind of infrastructure put yeah. in place and set up for. Because uh, that's that's what's going to help us out, definitely. Yeah, totally agree. Have Have you guys done any of those sorts of partnerships or collaborations with other parts of the industry? Yeah, yeah, look, we have. Um, when I was at my last distillery, uh, I was managing a distillery in Kempton. I, I'd aimed to get every month to the, the scale groups. Yeah, yeah, look, there was lots of opportunities for us to uh, work with um, a lot of people there. Uh, and it worked really well, you know, with it, in terms of working together at events and uh, showcasing products and, and a stall, that kind of thing. There's a whole lot of things that we, we, we were able to do. Yeah, look, I mean, I'd, I'd advise, I'd, I'd recommend to people if you're not a member of let's, the Scale Group to do so um, and realise that, you know, you're not the, the only one that's doing it tough. We're all going through that, but, you know, we're all here in it together yeah. and we all need to help each other. So it's a great network to be a part of and, um you know, it's uh, hopefully it gives you the motivation that you need and the help that you need to um, to push on and until things do ease up a bit and we're, we find ourselves in more fortunate circumstances. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I think that's that's a great piece of advice. And um, for anyone who's listening, SCAL is S-K-A-L, um, a, a really great organisation that can check out on the web or otherwise. And Robbie, we might uh, leave the, the hard stuff and jump into the big seven <laughs> that I've uh, given you some pre-warning the about. This, the big seven questions that we finish every one of our Talking Tourism podcasts with. There will be a few here that I'm expecting a little bit of bias from you, but we'll, we'll start from the top. <laughs> Um, start with question number one. What's your favourite spot in Tasmania and why? That's a good one. And there are quite a lot of them. But if I had to pick one specifically, I reckon it would probably be the Central Highlands. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's where myself and Bill Lark go uh, fly fishing together. And we camp up there as well. Uh, it's bloody Baltic, but it's beautiful, stunning. Uh, and the fly fishing up there is just world class. So it's just a great way to get away from things and just focus on you. And um, um, yeah, and we've bonded a lot through that. So yeah, Central Highlands, without a doubt, get yourself up there. Amazing. It sounds like something from a, a tourism campaign, two whiskey distillers fly fishing in the Central <laughs> Highlands of Tasmania. What's your favourite travel destination anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. Look, I've always had a thing for Italy. Mm-hmm. I've been there a couple of times now. My wife's back, family background's Italian as well, but I reckon probably the Amalfi Coast. Nice. Um, we had our honeymoon there uh, four years ago, uh, and the atmosphere was just fantastic. It was amazing. The food was phenomenal. Just love to immerse myself in it, and it's so picturesque. So, mm-hmm. yeah, probably the Amalfi Coast, I would say. Great. All right, back to Tassie. What if someone's yeah. coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their lives and they ask you what's the one thing they absolutely must experience while they're here? Well, it's a good one. Look, when I've had people visiting me, I've always recommended they go to Bonnerong Wildlife Sanctuary. Um, I think the work that they do is fantastic. It's phenomenal, actually. It's amazing. We, Devon Distillery, just recently we became one of the founding members of the uh, the Friends of Bonnerong. It's an organisation that focuses on fundraising for the three 
key key areas of of that of, of what they do. Um, so it goes towards medical um, side of it, the actual running of the park and uh, research, uh, and also how to make it more uh, sustainable. How it's more, how it shouldn't rely on human help. Um, how how can they uh, do it so that the animals are helped out in their own natural environment? So, so that that would probably be the one thing that that um, both Emma and I are very passionate about. So, Bonnerong uh, Wildlife Sanctuary. Yeah, awesome, really there. important Tasmanian institution <coughs> and a great uh, tourist draw card as well. So, shout out Absolutely. to Bonnerong. Um, what about if you're walking the overland track for five days and you've got three people with you? They can be anyone in the world, famous or not, living or dead. Who are you going to take on the overland track? I would say it would have to be somebody funny. <laughs> Because you're going to be there with them for five days. Somebody that's like a bear grills, maybe. Yeah, who good would one. be able to see you do whatever, you know. Um, and then somebody who could cook well. So you, um, you're not going to be specific here and get in trouble? I is that Jim Perry, because he's, he's just a bloody laugh, isn't he? Good he's one, hilarious. yes. Um... Bear Grylls, yeah, he'll keep me right because I'm I'm from Glasgow. I'm not, you know, I'm not used to big hill walks and stuff like that. So he's going to see me right. And, uh, and look, Bill, Bill Lack, I'd, I'd I'd have him with me any day of the week. You know, love the man a bit. So is he um, the cook the, or is that something we know didn't what? know he's, about? He, he he can cook up a mean trout. I tell you that. Oh, good to when know. he catches one, okay. you know, on the rare occasion. Um, so yeah, I would say Jim Carrey. Bill Lark and Bear Grylls. Let's go with that one. Love it. All right, you're road tripping around Tasmania. What are you listening to in the car? Oh, mate. Uh, all right, do you know what? I would say I would put in Proclaimers 500 Miles. Wow. As a starting point, right? Controversial. Because, let's be honest, who, who doesn't like that, right? Just, a lot know, of people, that. I'm pretty sure, but that's all right. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I mean, if you think about it, that's pretty much travelling from the north to the south of Tassie and back up again. So you literally, 500 miles would cover the whole um, trip. Um, and then, yeah, and then just see what Spotify comes up with after that. Cool. Other songs like this, equally as obnoxious, I imagine. <laughs> and what do you drink when you arrive at your destination? Oh, that's easy, mate. There with the distillery. It would have been very weird if you hadn't said so. <laughs> Good to know. Which one specifically? Uh, look, I've had some Belters. Um, I'm just about to release a stout cask, which nice. is amazing. Um, but I've done this, uh, it's a botrytis cask one, uh, which is fantastic. It's got a mix of everything, spicy, fruity, sweetness and smoothness. So, yeah, that would be my choice. Beautiful. Sounds good. And a nice little plug for doing distillery there. Thank and the you. last big one, the big debate. I'm not sure if it's a big debate, to be <laughs> honest. I think it's pretty simple. But curry Tasmanian scallops, are they a culinary delight or a culinary crime? That is a taste sensation. Oh, dear. All right. Okay. Well, you think that is Emma? I, I, no, I have to disagree. <laughs> I think we need to go back and do Italian, see how this debate's going. But uh, <laughs> thank you for your input. And thanks so much for your time today, Robbie. Really, really appreciate it. To our listeners, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Please remember to subscribe so you can hear more episodes. We're looking to release them every two weeks or so. And also remember to tell a friend or a, a colleague in the tourism industry to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania with thanks to Mac40 Media. I'm your host, Emma Azon-Giacometti, and we'll catch up next time. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. 